0: let's go ahead and uh, continue again. I just want to continue to impress upon us this verse from 1 Peter 3 that oversees the entire series. Again, why don't I just say a line and then you say the next one and we'll work our way through it. In your hearts, revere Christ the Lord as holy, to give an answer, to give a reason for the hope that is in you, We're going to look at that a little bit more today now with giving an answer for the goodness of God's creation. One of the foundational beliefs of believers in the Lord is belief in the God who created the universe all by his performative word. God said it and it happened and he did it ex nihilo. It's the Latin phrase meaning literally out of nothing. And then he perfectly ordered our solar system so that he could fill a good earth with life. We even confess that when we say our creeds, don't we? Let me start the first article of the Apostles' Creed and you can finish it for me. I believe in God the Father Almighty. And that was written around 400 A.D., Same with the Nicene Creed, written a little earlier in the 3rd, 4th centuries. Uh, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things, visible and invisible, that we have a creator God. And we can go and look around us, as we talked about a few weeks ago, and see the fingerprints of God. And, and I thought I would just share some photos from a trip that we took out west a couple years ago. Uh, we started at the Badlands uh, National Park, and again, we can just see the goodness of our Creator, the Maker of heaven and earth. Uh, how about the canvas of another one of God's amazing sunset skies? Uh, this one was tricky, I confess. I kind of had my hand, one hand on the wheel and then the other hand on my phone, <laughs> trying to take a picture of this rainbow that went right over the road. Uh, did not find a gold pot at the end of that one though either. Or hiking up in the trail, seeing this tree that had just monstrous three inch bark uh, and just towered up almost completely straight and And then I saw this one and that felt more like me. Maybe you woke up this morning and your spine felt a little like that. You had to kind of crack that thing into a more vertical position. Uh, But just taking in the mountains of Glacier National Park here for a little bit. The sereneness of the reflection, the mirror on the water. The dirty snow near the V. At the bottom of the screen is actually Jackson Glacier. Uh, just amazing to see this piece of creation. Uh, then also some four-legged friends as well uh, that were right off the trail. Uh, big ones, little ones, some baby ones next to their mamas. Also baby goats who buy its mama in the wild. Our school theme this year, Rise Up, this was a bald eagle by our Airbnb in Montana that was overlooking a river, hoping to catch some fish. And if you look carefully through the middle, the bottom, you can see what, I couldn't get the camera up quite as soon as I would want, but this is a moose in the background. If you look carefully, you can kind of see its head sticking out there. And then up on a bluff, as, as Adam and I were driving out of the park one uh, late morning, was this mama grizzly bear and her three little cubs up on a bluff. And uh, we were at a very safe distance for that one, trust me. <laughs> uh, but then driving out a little farther from that, there was this wild grizzly bear just feeding off to the side of the road. Uh, and it was just amazing amazing token of the goodness of god's creation and as we just read six times six times we're told that god sees the goodness of his creation after he creates the light and after he separates the waters from the dry land and after he creates the vegetation and the celestial bodies and the birds and the animals, he sees that it was good. But yet the pinnacle, the prize, the crown would come later on day six. These words again from Genesis 1, then God said, and look at the Trinity here, already in the work of creation. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree which seed in its fruit and you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth everything that has the breath of life I have given every green plant for food and it was so and then verse 31 God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day notice it's not until after the creation of man in his very image that God now looks at it all and says this is very good that word behold behold it was very good is often used throughout the both Testaments, and it's it's a look at here, it's a check it out kind of invitation, inviting us to kind of see it and try to imagine this from God's own vantage point, the goodness, very goodness, of all his creation, particularly people. That is what we call the anthropic, principle like the greek from the greek word anthropos which means man human like anthropology the study of man and the anthropic principle just says that everything in this universe everything in this solar system everything in this planet planet is fine tuned has been precisely calibrated so that you and i could literally be here right now so i thought we would just take a minute and let's just zoom in a little bit closer and see this goodness of god behind the scenes that allows us to be here thriving with life right now let's just start between your ears do you know that between your ears you have 2.5 petabyte capacity You have the capacity to store 20 million volumes in your head. If you took every academic research facility in the United States and combined them all together, that's the same capacity that you have right here. Or how about your DNA? Do you know that they say there's as many as maybe 100 trillion cells in your body? And every one of your cells has like six feet of DNA. And if you stretched all the DNA out in every one of your cells, it would be twice the width of our entire solar system. Over 32 billion miles long. Or how about the sun? Our sun is a perfect G-class star. 75% of all of them are red dwarfs that are much too violent to ever to support life. Their solar flares are thousands of times greater than our own. But our sun is exactly the right size, the right composition, the right level of solar flare so that we could have life here. We are exactly the distance we need to be from the sun. At our closest orbit, we are 91 million miles away. At our farthest orbit, we are 93 million miles away. Any closer, and we would chicken fry. Any farther away, and we would deep freeze. But God positioned us exactly where we need to be in relation to that kind of sun so that we could be here. Even our moon is the exact size, distance, axis, tilt, so that it has the exact gravitational pulls that we need on this earth, including to control our ocean tides. It's just right. Or we could talk about the perfect tilt and orbit and size and composition of our own planet. Think of the own layers that are beneath us now, right? The core, the outer core, mantle, crust. All of those are exactly right with the seismic activity and the fresh water and the springs underneath us so that we could have liquid water here and live. And the earth is also the right distance and shape and size and orbit and speed and access so we could be here. It's amazing. Or how about... Our oxygen, do you know the oxygen percent on our earth is also exactly where it needs to be so we could have life? It's at 21 percent. Or how about Jupiter going farther out into our solar system? Massive in size, massive in size and gravitational pull, but you know that it's actually a really big shield for the earth that God put there to help protect us. And we hardly ever think of that, that Jupiter is our shield to keep Earth safe. Or let's go even smaller. We talked a little bit about this. I want to unpack it a little bit more, the force of gravity. There are 30 or more of these cosmic laws that are exactly where they need to be, but the force of gravity is exactly where it needs to be to one over one trillion if it were any stronger than 0.00000001, our whole universe would have a really big crunch. It would catastrophically collapse on itself right now if it were even one over a trillionth stronger. And the opposite is true. If the force of gravity were even one over a trillionth weaker, our Entire universe would completely blow away we could not be here and hold shape and form we would all literally be dust in the wind but it's exactly where it needs to be one over a trillion so that we can have life here now and some people might say well what about chance maybe it's just pure chance that all of these are lining up and so much more together so we can have life. But chance is not a scientific explanation. Can chance cause anything? Can chance itself do anything? No, only a force can, right? So if I have a glass of water here and I am thirsty and I want it, can any amount of chance get that cup in my hand. What about for a million zillion years would any amount of chance get that cup into my hand? No. Only a force acting upon it would make that happen. So we cannot explain any of this by chance. And so how do we explain this? This amazingly fine-tuning and calibration so we can be here now. How do we perfectly have all of these cosmic laws exactly where we need to be at the same time so that we could just be filled with life now? I want to show you a video. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you haven't. I have not. But the slow mo guys did. Uh, and this will help lead us in a little bit more on this. But just watch this experiment. Now in slow mo. I want to just pause it there for a second while things are still kind of going outward and falling. Any of you try that, by the way? Any of you ever done the rubber bands on the watermelon? All right. That's a good thing. I haven't either. It's messy. Have you known any kind of explosion that has led to order? Right? Have you known any kind of explosion that ever leads to order, or do any kind of explosion only lead to mess and disorder? How many of you dropped a kitchen glass before and had it hit the floor, and then lo and behold, it turned into something else really cool? Have any of you ever dropped even a kitchen glass towards more order? Or has your kitchen glass just gone and made an absolute mess of everything around you? See, if, if, if a melon exploding, if a kitchen glass exploding cannot make more order, why would we ever expect that out of a universe how could we ever have a accidental explosion a big bang we know that it did right it had an explosive birth God said poof let there be but how could you have this explosion and all these planets and stars and formations going out and then all of a sudden in that have a sun that's the perfect distance, and now the Earth is gonna start going around it at the perfect distance, and the Earth is gonna have the perfect makeup and layers within. It's gonna have the perfect oxygen. Force of gravity is gonna be exactly where it's gotta be, over one in a trillion, plus 30 other cosmic laws all being together at the exact same time in this kind of perfect order. How could you ever get that, any kind of accidental explosion? Or think about it like this. I have a Lego set with me. This is my Captain America Avengers Lego set. Uh, It's 167 pieces and for ages six and older, so I lap that a few times. But this is what it's supposed to look like. And could I take all 167 pieces and drop it and have it self-assemble? What if I did that for a million times? What if I did that a zillion times? Would it ever completely self-assemble? I don't even think that two of the pieces would come together exactly how they're supposed to. See, for this to be exactly how it was designed and created, not only does it need all 167 pieces, but number two, it has to have a designer and assembler Put those 167 pieces together in the exact order so that at the same time it can be what this set is supposed to be. If that can't even happen accidentally with a 160 piece Lego set, how could we ever explain a universe? with a solar system and a planet that has been exactly put together with all the right pieces, exactly where they need to go so that we could have life here right now. To me, there's no other explanation than a very, very good God who said all of these have to go, amen, right here so that we could have abundant life. And even though we have mucked up this creation in sin and brokenness and brought death in through the temptation of Satan, right? You read on in Genesis, get to chapter three, and it all goes like that. We can still see the goodness of God in it. And we can still observe his goodness through science. And see all of the order and the perfect fixation that God put in place. And even though sin did come in and really mess it up, God had an eternal plan for that too. And that own plan was His Son. And look at what Paul says about His Son and His function in creation Colossians 1 For by Christ all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things were created through him and for him. In him, all things hold together still to this day. Jesus has got this. And through him, his purpose was to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth to himself. How? Making peace by the blood of his cross. It's all Jesus bringing it back together to the Father's original goodness. So when we see Jesus doing miracles, when we see Jesus in a threatening storm in a boat that can pretty much kill everyone on board, drown them, and Jesus says, hush, be still, and the sea is perfectly calm and instantly flat, that's jesus restoring this creation in that moment to its original goodness and when jesus speaks to a limp hand and says be healed and the hand opens and functions or to the woman whose back was looking like that first tree for 18 years of her life and immediately her back straightens out and she can walk Jesus in those moments is restoring creation to its original goodness or when Jesus calls those dead people from their graves, he is restoring the goodness of God's first creation. And even though it's only in part as he's driving back the rain and curse of sin and brokenness on the day when Jesus comes back, He's going to restore creation in full. And look at what Isaiah says about that day. Here's that word again. Behold, take a look, check it out. God says, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former things here will not be remembered or even come to mind. And then the call to be glad and rejoice forever to celebrate the goodness of God's creation that he is going to create. you want a little glimpse of what that new earth is going to be like? Before we close, let's just look at a couple other verses that help start to put some paint on that canvas of our eternity. Later in Isaiah 55, he says this, on that new earth, There's not going to be heard any more sound of weeping or any cry of distress. Not one, period. And there's going to be animals there, just like we enjoy here, only this time the wolf and the lamb are going to be grazing buddies, they are going to be friends. The lion is going to eat straw like the ox. They are not going to hunt and kill each other because God says there's not going to be any hurt or destroying whatsoever on his holy mountain. And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that Jesus himself is going to descend from heaven and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And then we who are still alive are going to be gathered with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And here it is, we will always be with our Lord. Physically. Visibly. Or 2 Peter, according to his promise, we are... Waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Only righteousness, only goodness, only perfect holiness. No more brokenness, no more injustice, no more wrongs. And look at the menu. In Revelation 19, we're told that this new creation, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus knew how to host and throw a party. And imagine what that day is going to be like in that spread at his table when he himself says, we will taste the finest wine that we have ever tasted when he drinks it new with us in his kingdom. And one more. Here's that word, behold, again. The dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with us and we will be his people he will wipe every single tear away from his eye and there will be no more death an eternity without one obituary and finally that word again behold we have a god who is making all things new That's the Jesus factor. That's what we have for following him. Each and every day now, we have this perfect creation that's coming. Your future, my future, our eternity. As we take that in, I have just a couple questions to send us with this morning into some conversation time together. Just the first one, what about now? Where have you seen God's goodness in this creation? Maybe something in you, maybe in something that's happened around you. And secondly, as you look forward to that new perfect creation, when Jesus comes back, what do you most look forward to in that next creation? Go ahead and share with one another as you are worshiping with now, and then we'll come back and uh, take any questions that might have come in.